right, welcome to the multi-dimensional realm that talks laws of attraction, combat sports. <clears throat> Let's see, what else do I do? Oh, okay. <laughs> Comics and more, ladies and gentlemen. I actually have a special guest. He's one half of the We Are Rising podcast. He is a pro wrestling fan, a mixed martial arts fan. And at the end of this, you're going to truly see him as a boxing fan. And he's been somebody that I've wanted on my show for maybe over a year now. But for some odd reason, our paths just could not align outside of We Are Rising. But... He actually approached me about coming on here and it still boggles my mind that he did so. And I appreciate it. Thank you very much because I always wanted people to approach me about coming on and just wanting to spend some time with me. So from Texas, thank you very much, Jay Christian Gary. I appreciate it. Welcome. What else? <laughs> Roaming around. Well, first off, as I always say before every We Are Rising podcast begins, what's good, y'all? <laughs> and second, you're welcome. Because I remember correctly that it was after the Blood Sport, the Josh Barnett's Blood Sport 3 review, or preview, actually, that you sent me an invitation. Well, actually, no. You put over an invitation for me to be on this show on the air, and I just humbly accepted it, saying, hey, I'm available anytime you need me. And now here we are. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you have a specific thing that you would like to promote, and we'll get to that later. Mm hmm Yes, we'll, we'll get to that. But first off, a little bit of info about me. Um. All right. Years, a little bit of info about me. I just turned 28 years old back two weeks ago, November the 5th. Birthday. Thanks. I was basically, I mean, I was basically born a miracle baby, and I hate telling this story because my mother always told this to be, well, told this about me to anybody that listened. I was born one pound, 10 ounces at birth. Six months premature, I was basically deemed as a miracle baby. Aww. And then, yeah, I know, I know. I hate getting sappy about it, but I'm just happy that the good man upstairs gave me a life to live, gave me, you know, the ability to communicate with people just so that I can give, you know, my reasoning across, make my personality go up, you know, give people a reason to actually feel like. You know, I'm not delayed or anything like that. And now, thankfully, and actually, blessedly, I might I had, I've actually gotten involved, you know. I mean, if it wasn't for me getting involved with combat sports, you know, getting behind professional wrestling and boxing and mixed martial arts, especially over the last couple of years with the We Are Rising podcast and Andrew Benjamin, I really wouldn't be, you know, talking much 
I mean, aside from basketball, which is the sport I grew up off of, but, you know, who the hell wants to sit around and do a basketball podcast when there's so many other basketball podcasts out there? I hear you. I hear you. When I first started this podcast, people were expecting me to just legit be about pro wrestling. And there were so many other heads in the community that were doing it. I said, I can't do this. I cannot just talk only pro wrestling because it's not who I am. A good lot of these heads who actually uh, do the pro wrestling bit, that's their main life. Like, it's not that they don't have lives outside of it. It's just that that was their main thing. And me, I was so multidimensional, I just ran with it. I said it on uh, my friend Max's show that I'm a multidimensional person. And anybody that's followed me on uh, social media for years knows that I've talked much image of uh, wrestling. I talk so much other stuff that it makes sense that when... However, I actually did become a podcaster that I would have different array of stuff to try to talk about because I've mm-hmm. seen some of the greatest minds in general podcasting lose their minds trying to just be one dimensional only. And that wasn't me. And you know what? It's crazy for me because, yeah, I'm a fan of combat sports, I'm a fan of you know, whatever sport you want to throw at me, especially basketball, but, you know, I like, I mean, just being real, I like art, whether it's uh, the SFW or the NSFW variety. <laughs> I mean, I'm a fan <laughs> of actors. I actually follow a few on Twitter and Twitch as well. I'm actually friendly with a few so much that I'm a part of their Discord service. And I'm um, also... Yeah, I know. And I'm also a big fan of anime as well. And really cheesy 80s sci-fi movies to the point where myself and Andrew Benjamin interviewed a few people behind a certain movie that's, you know, supposed to be like apocalyptic, but with a Christmas feel. It's called Night of the... (laughs) I gotta hear this. I gotta hear this. Night of the Comet before? Basically, it was like, basically, it's like that old Dweezil Zappa song, Valley Girl, but it's set up to like an, it's not like an alien invasion. It's like basically what The Walking Dead is now, except mm-hmm. without, except without the zombies getting completely killed and dismembered. <laughs> but the movie Night of the Comet. It's basically an 80 sci-fi horror comedy film that just, I mean, that gives two teenage girls, you know, free reign to just do whatever the fuck they want. And then they pick up a couple kids along the way. One of those kids played by a certain voice actress that, I'm a, that I've been a huge fan of for about 10 and a half years. Well, not really that long, but still, I don't want to sound like I'm too fucking stalkerish. Still, hey, I actually must off how many years that I have actually been alive and I've been doing a certain amount of things. So 
<laughs> Welcome to the realm that actually gets away with it. <laughs> understood, understood. But still, the point of the matter is when it comes to the We Are Rising podcast, yeah, we tend to talk about this little Nietzsche promotion, this Nietzsche mixed martial arts and kickboxing promotion out of Japan that only does their fights in a 20 foot by 20 foot boxing ring. But we do talk about other things, obviously. We tend to shoot the shit whenever we, you know, find something that really grinds our gears. Especially for me, you know, the most serious episode that we've done was after the aftermath of the George Floyd killing, who I didn't know was a member, at least in my neck of the woods, of a very prominent rap group that managed to claim fame all around the world, known as the Screwed Up Click. But still, not only do we talk about that, not only do we shoot the shit, but we also interview people from outside of our little fight bubble. We talk to people who wrote books, you know, coin styles of fighting. We even, of course, talk to people about horror movies and stuff. And obviously, <laughs> we talk to people about that one little 80s movie I just mentioned. Ooh, but I, I got basically, this. Basically, you're, I mean, basically, it's cool to be multidimensional because it's like they say, variety is the spice of life, and you don't want to end up being bland just talking about one thing and one thing only because it makes for a boring podcast. Wouldn't you agree? I agree, and that's why I actually never went the route of being an only podcast of wrestling, because all these other heads that I was surrounded by, they were doing that so good that I thought I could not hack it at all. I just wanted to just bring what I was doing, things that mattered to me, and eventually... It led to me being on pro wrestling podcasts. And not only that, but uh, it brought me to you and uh, Andrew. Andy, there we go. There we mm -hmm. go. You and Andy brought me on like three times already. And well, yeah, I think that, that first time with the Blood Sport preview, that was my first time interacting with you. Yeah, that was absolutely funny. I remember uh, Andy and I, I think before that actual uh, event, we we were talking a smidge, if my memory serves me right. And then uh, Bloodsport actually happened. And we, I think we were supposed to meet up. Andy and I were supposed to meet up at uh, the showboat that day. But sad to say, because the event was in Atlantic City. Yeah, yeah, prior engagement. And uh, we talked exactly, I think, within a few days. Like mm -hmm. you, me, and him, we all recorded that Josh Barnett Bloodsport 2 review. Mm -hmm. And then if my memory serves me right, you guys wanted me on for 
the actual next one, but sad to say because of the climate of the world that we live in, that actual card never took place, and only God knows if it ever will. So I arrived back on social media uh, May 4th, and I reached Andy because I knew he was one of the people that I had to talk to. And he was telling me about the card, and I lost my shit. I said, excuse me, this is exactly what was supposed to happen. This is the card that was supposed to happen. And then we get to the actual Bloodsport card that wound up being last month. And I was in awe. I said, oh, my God. This event was good for what it was worth, but... I would still wish that uh, the April card was the one that actually took place because now we're still having to wait for Josh Barnett versus John Moxley. Only God knows if uh, Chris Dickinson will ever get to fight Minoru Suzuki <laughs> and whatever else was supposed to happen. True, true. Especially considering the fact that People were so looking forward to that particular card in April. They were definitely looking forward to Moxley versus Barnett and Suki versus Dickinson more than anything else on that card. But, you know, times changed and they had to get with the times. And luckily, John Moxley was still available for them because, of course, he only does select appearances because of his dual AEW and New Japan Pro Wrestling contract. It's just that unfortunately, he can't defend that IWGP US belt on US soil outside of New Japan and AEW won't let him do New Japan shows on US soil. And plus, AEW from what I understood, they have never really let their own talent who have been uh, world champions like defend those belts outside of that promotion. And it boggles my mind that they even call those belts world titles. And there has been no real defense of them outside of America. That still kind of makes me go, excuse me? To this day, like, why are your belts world titles and you haven't done jack shit with them? You just mainly stayed in the state of Florida. True, true. But they want to pick and choose when it's right for them to defend those titles outside of the U.S. soil. Oh, my God. I, I, did, I just came up with something that, real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, Russell Dynasty was supposed to happen back in August. Yeah. I think if COVID never hit, maybe, maybe that show would have been where AEW possibly came into an agreement with New Japan. And then that would have led to this actual tour going on where the AEW wrestlers would actually do <clears throat> defenses of the belts overseas. Mm-hmm. 
But sad to say, here we are, and things are not the absolute same. Yeah. And that's a But I progress. Uh-huh. All right. I really hope that, you know, down the line, when this whole COVID-19 stuff dies down a bit, like when international restrictions die down a bit, we can see more and more of these possibilities with New Japan and AEW happen. At least for the same I'm hoping and praying that is so. Hoping and praying is so. Because we need more variety. And just watching AEW or Ring of Honor only is not it. We need actual Japanese talent here in America. And eventually it's going to have to be lifted. We're going to have to get out of this. Because I remember earlier today, I was watching Bloodsport 2 with uh, my surrogate dad. And I remember him kind of just geeking out of how good it was. It's not the typical pro wrestling that you see on Monday or Wednesday or Friday. And... Mm -hmm. I told him that I've seen every single one. And now we're all caught up with the actual Bloodsport, the series from GCW. But now, starting next week, we're going to sit through all the actual Bloodsport films. So I was curious about them. I found out there was more than one. I'm more used to the 1988 film, but I haven't watched it since I was a small lad. So, again, we shall be watching those films, like, slowly. I think one each week. Hmm. Why can't y'all watch them all on Thanksgiving weekend or something? Uh, because I'm working. Oh. I'm a job that sees me nearly work 12 hours a day. And when I get home, I don't want to deal with anything. And plus, he's not living with me. I have to go and travel to see him on Sundays. If if not on a Sunday, then on a Monday. So there's no chance for us to actually watch him during the week, really. And that's a shame, because if I actually had it my way, I probably would. I get him away from WWE for an evening or two and watch a blood sport movie and then go to bed. But then again, it's a reality. And reality is I work a good four days a week. And those four days a week sees me nearly out of my house for half a day or more, or my parents' house, excuse me. And I mainly come home to just check my social media if I have to really check it and just zen out so I could go to bed at a proper time or try to. (laughs) So bottom line is, kids, I work. 
I would love to spend more time with people that I love, but it's kind of crazy, especially what the world we're living in, that a good lot of people have to work like 12 hours to make a quote-unquote living. But I do it. And I don't fault myself. And my surrogate dad, he loves the fact that I'm working. He loves it. And I still make time this year. So, win-win situation in the end. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But still, it's been fun, you know, getting to know each other a little bit more. Let's go ahead and get to the business at hand of why the hell I'm on this show. All but- right. So, ladies yes. and gentlemen, mm-hmm. when uh, Christian approached me about coming on the show or accepting my invitation, as he said, mm-hmm. he was specific about one particular thing. And for him, it's very huge. And for me, I see why it is. Because not many people know this. I mainly talk pro wrestling whenever it comes to the combat sports world. I'm trying to do the MMA bit a little bit more. So maybe one day I'll actually watch Ryzen uh-huh. and sit through an event or two and then maybe do a review on my own or even have Christian and uh, Andy one or both join me but unbeknownst to my listeners i grew up kind of a boxing fan i was a kid when the likes of uh, mike tyson uh evander holyfield and lennox lewis were all coming up Uh so when christian came to me about what he wants to promote i was kind of floored i said oh that's gonna be something to actually talk about so yeah you can plug away that shit all you want so without further ado let my guest explain okay so the reason why we're being brought here together for this podcast is because of the fact that on november 28th Saturday, November 28th, as in the weekend of Thanksgiving here in the United States of America, live from the Staples Center, live from the world-famous Staples Center in Los Angeles, California, USA, which has been around since 1999 and has hosted (laughs) world title fights in in the 21st century than any other venue in the world, there's going to be a colossal and iconic battle taking place between Iron Mike Tyson, the youngest man to ever become the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world, all the way back in 1986. 50-6 overall, 44 knockouts in the world of boxing, pro boxing Hall of Famer, from the Catskills, New York, residing in Brooklyn. Well, actually, he's actually residing in Scottsdale. No, wait, he's residing in Las Vegas. But originally, (laughs) he's from the streets of Brooklyn by way of the Catskills in upstate New York. His opponent, Roy Jones Jr., 
pound for pound once before the baddest man throwing down. 66-9 overall, 47 knockouts. Been boxing from 1988 to 2018. And, of course, if you know his story, got screwed over at the Olympics because of shady judging. <laughs> we all know that. Then he became the middleweight, super middleweight, and undisputed light heavyweight champions of the world. And then he did the unthinkable back in 2003. Beat John Ruiz to become the first middleweight to become a heavyweight champion since 1895. Think about that. He had from 160 pounds in boxing as a middleweight all the way up to 199 when he fought Ruiz to become the heavyweight champion of the world. That is something that's iconic. And of course, Roy Jones is also a boxing hall of fame. But these two men will face off against one another in a battle for the ages that probably should have happened back in 2003 when Jones was on the way up and Tyson was on the way down. Of course, as I mentioned, Jones beating Ruiz, Tyson getting his ass handed to him by Lennox Lewis. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. And I remember that fight all too well. Oh, my God. And I was in high school at that point. And when I heard about it, I said, what? You are not serious right now. Shish. Hmm. I mean, come think of it. When that fight happened, I was, you know, just getting out of fourth grade and going into the fifth grade. <laughs> but that fight between Lewis and Tyson was big on a multitude of levels. I mean, obviously, it was the first world title, world heavyweight title fight to take place in the state of Tennessee because they had to go to a whole bunch of different places before settling on an arena, which is now a Bass Pro Shops location in Memphis. <laughs> go figure. <laughs> and then they had to make a whole bunch of rules. Well, actually, they had to make a whole bunch of restrictions and then get Jimmy Lennon Jr. and Mike Tyson, I mean, get Jimmy Lennon Jr. and Michael Buffer to introduce the respective fighters, you know, that the respective promoters were a part of. Obviously, Roy Jones was a part of, no, wait, Mike Tyson, who I think was a Don King fighter at the time. And I think Lennox Lewis was with the Bella Entertainment or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that still boggles my mind that uh, Don King kind of made an appearance. I hope to God he don't win this case. I don't like Don King either. I mean, especially considering the fact that he's been a snake in the grass for far, far too long. But still, point of the matter is Jones versus Tyson is going to take place as a part of Mike Tyson's new Legends Only League, which is giving old grizzled veterans of the sweet science a chance to lace up the gloves for a new generation. And of course, it'll be done through the app Triller, T-R-I-L-L-E-R, which of course all the big time celebrities are a part of. And 
entire event will be hosted by Mario Lopez, a.k.a. A.C. Slater from Saved by the Bell fame. Oh, boy. Yep. It'll be commentated by boxing legend Al Bernstein of Showtime Sports, as well as boxing Hall of Famer Sugar Ray Leonard, former Olympic former multi-time world champion, and kickboxing to MMA crossover star, current UFC middleweight champion of the world, the last style bender, Israel Adesanya, with, of course, Michael Buffer, may, with, of course, Michael Buffer being the ring announcer for the main event. But it will also feature performances prior to this fight card from artists such as Lil Wayne, who may or may not be on this card because of the fact that he has gun convictions to deal with. <laughs> All right, continue. And of course, you know Lil Wayne loves his guns. It's okay, it's okay. But still, it's going to possibly feature Lil Wayne, but it's definitely going to feature Artists such as French Montana, Wiz Khalifa, YG, and the Baby, whose hit Rockstar has been really pretty much like a rallying cry during this whole time period over the last few months. But it'll also feature Brooklyn native and Mike Tyson superfan Neo singing the national anthem. Ooh, and of course, we all know this bald headed ass is going to want to. Try and make the song his own. <laughs> <laughs> That's the truth. That's the truth. <laughs> yeah, but still. Point of the matter is, this event will air live on TysonOntrillo.com, the Fight TV app, that is F-I-T-E, or Fight.TV, and on terrestrial cable, satellite, and telco pay-per-view throughout the U.S. and Canada for 50 bucks a pop. I hope these fights actually go real long and sweet because if they actually just powder puff in like in the first round, I'm not going to be happy. Yeah, I'm not going to be happy either. I mean, that's why the California State Athletic Commission basically said, you know, it's going to be a glorified sparring session. <laughs> That is true. The truth, because when you got no crowd, what are you doing, basically? You exactly. just are. <laughs> but there is going to be possibly limited seating available in the Staples Center Arena. Limited seating. Now that I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking about Rocky Five, where uh, Tommy Gunn is training with Rocky. And then a few people come along just to, like, watch. So it's not shocking to me that we're getting, like, a training session, but on a more serious scale. Yeah, true, true. But, of course, as with these things, there's always an undercard taking place. And there's six fights taking place on this undercard. Three that are title fights as sanctioned by the World Boxing Council and President Mauricio Suleiman, that are going to be for WBC, US, NBC titles. 
Ooh, I love title fights. Yeah, well, I don't consider the fact that these titles are basically alphabet soup belts, but here we go anyway. (laughs) (laughs) No disrespect. I know that some of these fighters work hard just to try and, you know, make weight and prepare themselves for these fights, but still, you know, it's a title fight regardless. So we got to at least try and, you know, give our two cents about it. But, yeah. <clears throat> the first fight on the card, well, actually, the first title fight, and we're going by weight class. And actually, yeah. What am I trying to say? The first fights, the title fights that are going to be a part of the preliminary portion of the card, prior to all the concerts and the hover balloon, For the WBC US NBC featherweight title, Irvin the Beast Gonzalez from somewhere in Massachusetts, 14 and 2 overall, versus Edward Kid Vasquez, a guy from Fort Worth, Texas, 8 and 0 overall. They'll be boxing eight three minute rounds. And of course, Gonzalez is backed by CES Boxing Vasquez, I think. Promoted by Rival Boxing. The Tapology Faithful is giving Gonzalez a 65% chance to win. Second title fight on the card. Again, we're going by weight class. But the WBC USNBC Silver Lightweight title. This fight was actually confirmed days ago. Solomon Sagawa of Zimbabwe, 13 2 and 1. Versus Jermaine the Terminator Ortiz, 13-0, from Massachusetts at 135 pounds. The Tapology Faithful is saying that it'll be an 81% chance of a Ortiz victory. And in the third title fight, which will be for the WBC US NBC heavyweight title, Joe Cusimano. 18 and 3 overall versus Gregory Bad News Corbin from Dallas, Texas, 15 and 3 overall. Cusimano from the state of Massachusetts. Of course, this fight was confirmed a few days ago because Nick Jones, who is also a native Texan, 9 and 3 overall, dropped out or withdrew from this fight card. But still, Kusumano, 90% chance of winning. Well, actually, no. Kusumano has a 71% chance of winning over Corbin, as opposed to a 90% chance of him winning over Jones if Jones wouldn't have withdrawn from the fight card. So I have to ask, out of these three alphabet soup title belt fights, (laughs) I mean, still... I say they're alphabet soup belts, but a championship's a championship. These guys are fighting for, I mean, these guys are fighting to boost their careers up. But these fights are also going to be on the prelims, which I think are going to be free to the world. But if these fights were on pay-per-view, which fight would you say would be worth your money? Hmm. The one that spoke out to me the most was uh, the guy from Zimbabwe. I, 
I love when I hear pure Africans, not African Americans, meaning from the motherland, the true motherland. I love when I hear talent like that started coming to America just to fight and have a good time defending their belts and winning. So that one is the one I'm looking forward to the most. Oh, then I guess you would be looking forward to the WBC, I mean, the WBC, US, NBC silver middleweight title fight between yeah. Shigata. I yeah, mean, that's I can understand. That I'm, forward to. I'm surprised yeah. that all three matches are actually preliminaries. But yet the actual music concert's a little bit higher. I mean, yeah, they gotta find some way to put this over. And oh, by the way, I forgot. Sagawa's not from Zimbabwe. He's from Uganda. Either which way, he's from Africa, babe. Mm-hmm. And he's fighting out at Silver Spring, Maryland, which is the hometown of Sugar Ray Leonard. Oops. That's even bigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but still, point of the matter is, this dude is really, I mean, you say the silver lightweight title fight is going to be something to watch because of Suleiman Sagawa looking to beat up Jermaine Ortiz. I say that the fight that's going to be really talked about is Edward Vasquez versus Herbert Gonzalez because... Of course, here you have Vasquez, another undefeated fighter who I talked to days ago and who I hope by the time this interview, I mean, by the time this podcast is up, the interview I had with him will be up. But still, point of the matter is Vasquez is 8-0. He only has a couple of knockouts. He doesn't care that his opponent is 14-2 with 10 knockouts. He just wants to shout the world and make his name because he's 25 years old and he wants to put himself over. And that's the main thing about, you know, some of these fighters in these prelims fighting for these titles. They're young men that just want to put themselves over at the next level, regardless of what they'll do next on a Showtime card or Premier Boxing Champions card or even a big-time pay-per-view down the line. I mean, basically, it's like that independent wrestler that just wants to make it big on a major super indie or even at the WWE level, but know that they have a lot of road to climb up, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's one thing I loved about the actual independent wrestling, that it felt like a circle of life where... Uh, you would start off just going wherever you had to go, but then eventually, if you were talented enough, say like a Chris Dickinson, he started out in, in a Jersey All Pro, and now mm-hmm. look at him—he's one of the faces, if not the face, of GCW right now. Well, so, second only to Nick Gage, but yeah, yeah, there we go. Yeah, I remember watching uh, Bloodsport and. Nobody compares to Nick Gage. Nobody compares to him, except for Chris Dickinson and maybe Josh Barnett. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure we'll all wait for the chance to see Nick Cage versus Josh Barnett, should that ever happen. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. If GCW ever heard this and they were looking for a match that's not Mox versus Josh Barnett for, like, the next blood sport or the one after, take my money, please. Nick Gage versus Josh Barnett will probably make me shit my pants. Take my money, GCW, please. Mm-hmm. I see. And plus... But- I'm giving this man credit because he actually came up with it. So if uh, Brett Lauderdale and Danny DeMonto are listening, I didn't come up with this match. I probably gave you ideas for uh, Killer Cross versus Nick Gage last year, but this gentleman over here just gave you a future match to do. (laughs) I see, I see. But still, though. I mean, I think that, I mean, going back to the whole question of is it worth my money, I mean, obviously, no. These fights would be better served to air, these title fights would be better served to air on something like a Showbox, the new generation on Showtime, or like I said, PBC on FS1 or some bullshit, but still... (laughs) These title fights are equally important because of the progression of these guys' careers. And like I said, most of the guys in these title fights are in their mid to late 20s or early 30s, and they're just looking to make their name heard. And I just hope that regardless of if people are going to see them or complain that the Tyson fight ain't high enough or the Joan, I mean, or the... Jake Paul fight ain't happening until later, and they have short attention spans. You know, I hope people see these fighters as future competitors that they would want to waste or spend twenty, thirty, forty, fifty dollars on when they get their name up to the top. Right. You get me. <laughs> hmm. Right. So we just got through with the title matches. Is there extra matches on the undercard? Mm-hmm. Unless there's some sort of like celebrity YouTuber beef that needs to be settled. No. I don't think there's any other undercard fights on this card other than the three title fights we just talked about. All right. And he's already run down the fact that we're getting musical acts, rappers, and whatnot, so we don't have to really... Rappers and singers, of course. Rappers and singers, excuse me. So we don't have to divulge in that. We can progress to the main card. Uh, Yes, and that's the thing about it, because this is a seven-fight card. This ain't like no seven-hour-long pay-per-view where... You know, you have to sit on your hands and knees just to watch everything play out. I mean, this is pretty much an interactive experience that you're going to want to shell out money for for the main card or, you know, just find some other way to watch it. I'm not saying watch it illegally, but hey, if it has to be, it has to be. Yo-ho-ho, kids. If you actually are pirates... 
Yo ho ho for yo. Yeah, but don't tell the stream, otherwise you'll get everything shut down. <laughs> oh, that's the truth. That is the absolute truth. T mm -hmm. Take that uh, WWE kids. They actually will actually try to get your your uh, site shut down. So be very careful of how you watch these things. If you are a pirate, please, please, please be aware that there's a chance that you probably can be found out. Maybe. But I say... Uh, I say, and of course, you'll be subject to, and of course, you'll be subject to criminal liability and prosecution or whatever. The oh, U.S. That's government copyrights. That's copyrights, and I don't like dealing with copyrights, kids. Anybody that knows me, I try my best to actually buy my products. Absolutely. <laughs> of course, I mean, otherwise, there wouldn't have been, you know, about thirty years full of express written consent warnings on sports broadcasts if it wasn't for pirates. <laughs> That's the truth. That is the truth. And WWE themselves, they would not be in business if uh, anything was to had gone awry for them. Mm -hmm. So, if no. WWE ever heard this, you're welcome for our business. Exactly. But enough about all that. Let's go let's ahead and get to. Yeah, yeah let's, let's go ahead to the main meat and potatoes. Mm -hmm. Enough with all the concert hubbubaloo. Enough with talking about, you know, alphabet soup titles. Let's go ahead and get to the main card because these fights probably aren't going to be around for long. The first right. fight set. Mm -hmm. The first fight set up on the main card, former UFC fighter, former Legacy and Fury FC fighter in my neck of the woods, Rashad the Daywalker Coulter versus glorified YouTuber and moonlighting boxer, Vidal VD Riles Riley. <laughs> first of all, the particulars for the Daywalker, Rashad Coulter. He's 38 years old. Born November the 7th, no, born November the 27th, 1981, in Newton, North Carolina. He's 5 feet 11 inches tall, weighing in at 208 pounds, but will need to drop 8 pounds because this fight is at 200 pounds, which is, in the case of the WBC, in a, <laughs> sorry, but still, this fight, between Riley and Coulter, it's going to be held at 200 pounds, which if you haven't read the news lately, the WBC made a new super cruiserweight division. That's what? 200, yeah, 200 to 224 pounds. Because apparently they see the dexterity of fighters who weigh 195 having to face fighters who are 215, 220 in the regular cruiserweight division of boxing and they feel that they feel that people aren't getting a fair shake. So they made a new super cruiserweight division called the Bridgerweight division, which was 
inspired by a little boy who saved his little sister from a rabbit dog. Hint, hint, kids, if you actually know what he's talking about, I know what he's talking about, and it still makes me smile. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they made, the WBC made this new Super Cruiserweight division so whereas fighters who are around that range of 200 to 225 pounds can actually, you know, get that chance, get that opportunity to become, you know, ranked fighters without having to deal with fighters who are all the way up in the heavyweight division. <laughs> so it makes sense for them to do that. But enough about all that. Let's get back to the fight. Particularly for Rashad Day Walker Coulter. 511, 208 pounds. And as I mentioned, he'll have to drop down to 200 or he can just walk in at 205. Who knows? <laughs> he has a since reach, he has a 76 inch reach, measuring wingspans. Of course, he's 38 years old, born November 27, 1981, in Newton, North Carolina, fighting out of Fort MMA in Dallas, Texas. If you remember him from the UFC, well, congratulations. Of course, he fought four times inside the octagon, going one and three in the promotion overall. Defeating Yao Zong Hu back on November 24, 2018, but getting knocked out three times each. Well, actually, getting knocked out three times. An elbow TKO loss to Chase Sherman, a flying knee TKO loss to Ty Bam Bam to Avasa, and a ground and pound KO loss to Chris De La Rocha. In addition, of course, to fighting on Bellator Post Limbs, Extreme Knockout. Legacy FC and the Legacy Fight Alliance and Shark Fights, of course. Rest in peace to that promotion. He most recently came back into the world of MMA last December, losing via ground and pound knockout to current UFC fighter Hurricane Ike Villanueva at Fury FC 40 in my neck of the woods, Houston, Texas. But of course, he'll be fighting in his first professional boxing match. Since 2015, which he won that first boxing fight on some little shindy card in Dallas via KO. Yes, I know what shindy cards are. I mean, believe me, you're from New York. You know what shindy cards are. Ha 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 God. And every single time I hear that term, I just can't help but chuckle. Because mm-hmm. it absolutely is true, and it does come from out here in New York. So, Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'll explain what a shindy is uh, on a future episode. Okay. Now for his opponent, Vidal Riley, a.k.a. If you follow him on YouTube, VD Riles. He is 4-0 as a professional boxer. Half of his four wins, of course, two of his four professional wins, by way of knockout. He's 6 feet 1 inch tall, or 185 centimeters. He weighs in at 200 pounds, which is around 
11 stone, if I'm not mistaken, in British terms. Maybe 11 and a half. I'm not sure. I don't really follow these things. <laughs> he was born July 7, 1997 in Hackney, London, England, United Kingdom. And if your kid knows him, of course, he trained KSI for him to defeat Logan Paul. <laughs> I mean, think about that. He trained KSI to beat Logan Paul last November at Staples Center. And now, VD Viles is coming in to Staples Center to fight for Shark Coulter. <laughs> right. But still, half of his wins in the world of professional boxing are via knockout. Obviously, his first two wins lasted about enough time for you to get a popcorn and some soda or beer. And then <laughs> But his other two fights, which happened on May 3rd, 2019, and prior to the COVID-19 shutdown on February 28th, he lasted four rounds. This fight is going to last six rounds if necessary. Six rounds or less. But I have to ask you, is this fight worth your money because of the fact that it's a UFC fighter in the public eye against... A YouTuber? Well, I'm not really going crazy for this fight because of the, the YouTuber more so than the UFC fighter. I heard about him, I think, last year, and I said, I'm not really impressed. I'm not really impressed. So this one so far sounds like the least exciting uh, fight on the card for me if I was to legit watch the whole entire show. Can you explain in detail why you don't like it? Because I'm about to go ahead and give me some water real quick. <laughs> All right, I'll, I can do that. Well, what this whole entire thing of the YouTuber, I think this is more so exposure for him, so he can actually get his channel to blow up a little bit more. Whereas the UFC fighter, it feels like he's trying to do more so he can not just be seen as a UFC fighter. So. So I'm hoping that the fight's going to be good. I hope that I'll be wrong. But for now, I'm kind of a skeptic. That's just for now. If I decide to buy the pay-per-view one more time, I hope it will be good. Just like this brand new uh, Digimon TV series that happened in Japan. I hope it's good. I'm interested. But they're going to have to bring the heat. Legit. You can still hear me, right? You are coming clear. You are coming clear. 
here. Okay. Well, let me go ahead and explain to you why I don't think it's worth my money. Because if you think about it, you got an experienced guy who many people will say, oh, he fights UFC. He must not know how to fight in boxing against a guy who's only had four fights. Only two of them mm-hmm. did not judges. But still, though, when it comes down to this fight, I don't think it's worth my money because if you think about it, Rashard Coulter in those three, in those four UFC fights I did mention, two of those UFC fights, the ones he was on pay-per-view for, Sherman and De La Rocha, I think he was on the prelims. So he's probably used to fighting as a preliminary fighter. But to be quite honest, you know, he's got skills, obviously. As I mentioned, of course, his mixed martial arts record is 9 and 5. Eight of those nine wins are by way of knockouts. So he doesn't work by the hour. He doesn't get paid by the hour, but still. Point of the matter is, I don't think this fight is worth anybody's money because, I mean, what if the fight ends up being so filled with knockouts and they end up, you know, fighting to a six-round decision? But thankfully, it's a good thing that this fight is on the card because you got two fighters who know how to knock people out. And in the case of Coulter, I hate to pick it to the Tapology faithful who are basically saying that, hold on a second, they're basically saying that they want to see Vidal Riley get the win 85% out of 15%. I hate to break it to them, but Rashad Coulter has knockout power, and I think he's going to prove that in this particular fight against this YouTuber. Hmm. Again, I just hope the fight is good. That's all I hope for. Eh, same here. Same here. Now, another fight that's going to probably PK a lot of interest when it comes down to this fight. I mean, when it comes down to these two combats is... And I'm talking about the next fight that we're going to be discussing. All right. It's another 200-pound showcase. Ooh, Otto, mm-hmm. No, actually, it's Bridger weight. At, well, it's not really Bridger weight because one of these guys is a light heavyweight star. The other is an undefeated underdog trying to make his name. It's Bado Jack the Ripper, who's a former light heavyweight champion of the world, versus Blake McKernan a former member of the United States military who's looking to make his name heard throughout the fight world. First of all, the particulars for Bado Jack, if these damn things will come up soon. (laughs) (laughs) Well, welcome to my show, Christian. People actually have had technical difficulties, so... I know, I mean, I can understand that, but still, 
I mean, if you've dealt with a piece of shit computer before, you would probably understand. Anyways, the particulars now. Bado Jack the Ripper, a.k.a. Bado Johannes Gabriel Jack. Six feet one, last weighed in at about 175 pounds for a light heavyweight showcase with a 73-inch reach. He was born on Halloween 1983. No, he was born Halloween 1983 in Stockholm, Sweden. He is 37 years of age, and he fights out of the Floyd Mayweather camp in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh-oh. Yeah, so basically, he's a pretty big deal as far as professional boxing goes. Because he is a premier boxing champions competitor, meaning that he is signed to Al Heyman's employ. But still, this is his first professional boxing bout away from that umbrella of Showtime and Al Heyman since, I think, February of 2013. No, it actually since May of 2012. But still... This is also going to be the first time he's not fighting for a world title since he defeated Francisco Sierra on December 12, 2014 on, I think, a Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. undercard at the Alamo Dome in San Antonio. But still, he's also riding a 1-2-1 and one record in his last five. Defeating Nathan cleverly back on August 26, 2017 on the Mayweather-McGregor undercard, drawing with James DeGale and Adonis Superman Stevenson in, in January of 2017 and May of 2018, respectively, <clears throat> and, getting, and taking a loss to Marcus Big Bad Brown on the Pacquiao-Adrian Broner undercard, where Pacquiao not Broner silly. <laughs> <laughs> and losing to John Pascal on December 28, 2019 on the undercard to Javante Tank Davis versus Yuriorcus Gamboa. But still, he is a former WBC super middleweight champion of the world and a former WBA light heavyweight champion of the world who also fought for the WBC light heavyweight title. But he's going to have a tough underdog to deal with in Blake McCurdy, 13 and 0. 6'1, 190 something pounds, 33 years old, born Blake Anthony McCurdy Bruckner on April 9, 1987. He's a native of Sacramento, California, and a former member of the United States military. I think he said that he had a tour of duty in Afghanistan around the Operation Enduring Freedom era, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> oh, but, boy. God, God bless him. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But still... The only thing that he is enduring at this point is father time. Because as I said before, <laughs> he's 30, I mean, he's 33 years old. So he's younger than me by five years. But still, point of the matter is he's enduring father time because he just started 
a professional boxing career a little over four years ago. And this will be his first time fighting on a major card in Southern California. Not to mention, this will be his first time fighting on a major pay-per-view, no less. But still, he is 13-0 with six knockouts compared to Bado Jack the Ripper, who is 33, I mean, who is 32, 3, and 3 with, dun, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. See, technical difficulties is always getting to me, but still. Bottom Jack is 22, 3 and 3 with 13 knockouts. So basically, Bottom Jack has as many knockouts as Blake McKernan has wins. And of course, McKernan's coming in as a huge betting underdog if you follow those lines, of course. I mean, of course, Blake McKernan is the 33rd, is the 133rd ranked cruiserweight in the world, Bado Jack probably ranked in the top 10, if not the top five in the light heavyweight class. And the top all she faithful is saying that they want to see Bado Jack get a win 94% out of 100. But still, is this fight worth your money for, I mean, is this upset potential fight worth your money in seeing? Oh, I love underdogs. Anybody that knows me as far as being a pro wrestling fan knows that I actually love people that come up and truly make themselves famous at the expense of people who are more famous than they are. Like, for me, I say that, uh, in my point of view, Minoru Suzuki is more of an underdog than, say, somebody like a Kazuchika Okada, mm-hmm. where you would know, like, 90, 95% of the time, Okada is going to win. Suzuki would probably give Okada a good run for his money. However, it's mm-hmm. rare that he would get the win. So, for me, this match going on, I would sit through it, because I would like to see if the underdog wins. So it's basically more of a sit-and-watch fight rather than a pay-your-money-to-watch fight. Yeah, in a sense, it's more of a style of where it's not like, ooh, take my money. The match that's more so, ooh, take my money, is Tyson versus uh, Jones. Thank you, Jones. So that match is the one that's, ooh, take my money. The other matches on the card, they're going to have to try to sell me by way of who is on there and what the story is. And from what you're telling me, it sounds like it's worth me sitting through. Uh Uh-huh. But if you think about it, though, and here's my reasoning for it. If you think about it, Bob Jack, no, wait, Blake McKernan, actually, is ranked in the top 120 fighters in the world at cruiserweight. Bob Jack is 
in the top 15 at light heavy. I mean, these, I mean, to be quite honest, a lot of the people watching this fight are going to want to watch it just to see Vado Jack get out of there safely with a win and then go on to his next challenger for Premier Boxing Champions or whoever is willing to get him on to their next card. Right. Do you think mm. that, say, uh, whoever wins the match will actually be contending for the for a championship, like, right away? Well, I mean, to be honest, if Bottle Jack wins this next fight, you know, he's definitely going to want to be in some top 10 competition next. But if Blake mm-hmm. McKernan wins this fight, you know, he's automatically going to get escalated to, if not the top 10 in light heavy, or the top 10 in cruiserweight, then definitely the top 10 at the new Bridgerweight class for WBC. Especially considering the fact that they have a new weight class, as I mentioned, that they are looking to get some bodies on there. I mean, who better to get a world championship than a guy who just upset someone who was a former super middleweight and light heavyweight champion? I agree wholeheartedly. That would be mm-hmm. the great start to new division. That's yeah. take my history right there. Mm-hmm. But as far as a prediction for this fight, I really want to say Bado Jack because, of course, he's coming in as the favorite. But I won't be surprised if Blake McKernan ends up getting the upset. I just won't be surprised. Well, anything can happen, and it's only a few days away. Well, yeah, of course. As at the time of this recording, we're about six days out from this fight card. Well, this actual interview with you, sir, should be out definitely within the next two days. I'm shooting for tomorrow. Understood, understood. So, as of today's date, which is the 22nd, and people more more than likely be listening to this, it should be the 23rd. So, we will be five days away from the fight. Or fights. Uh, yeah, of course, because it's a seven-fight card. It's not just the Tyson Jones fight. There's an undercard, as we mentioned. There's, you know, a bunch of concerts and all this bullshit. <laughs> the thing is, we have to be ready for it. And obviously, that's all we're doing is getting ready for the fight. Just like anybody else would. And sounds speaking like, of, mm-hmm. sounds like it's gonna be worth it to me so far. No, yeah, of course it is. And speaking of a fight that's worth time, I wouldn't give one of the motherfuckers in this fight card an edge 
I mean, a minute of my time because he is a fucking nuisance. It's what he is. It's, of course, of course, I'm referring. I am referring to one YouTuber known as Jake Paul. Now, of course, Jake Paul, oh, sorry about that. Jake Paul is not really that controversial compared to his older brother, Logan. It's just the fact that he's an obnoxious little cretin who does nothing but, I mean, he does nothing but piss the world off. He and his brother. Oh, boy. Yeah. I mean, he's basically a pain in the ass that many people are fans of, that many people actually want to see all the time on their little YouTube streams and their little... I mean, whenever he's a part of a celebrity... Whenever he's a big name in celebrity gossip, even though he's also a Disney actor as well... <laughs> yeah, I know. A Disney actor doing bizarre shit. Where have we heard that story before? Mm, there's been I mean, plenty of people that actually come from uh, certain TV shows and they've gone on to actually rise. And it boggles my mind in the last 10 years. I'm not going to name anybody particularly. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's, and I'm pretty sure this particular guy done coke with one of those ex Disney stars. <laughs> oh, but he's still. Uh, let me just say that and leave it at that. Yeah, he's of course. But still, though, this dude is nothing but a complete pain that many people just want to simply get rid of. And you know, it's going to be hard for it's going to be hard for this man to actually be gotten rid of because his opponent, of course, you probably know him more than I do, considering the fact that you live in New York and you've seen this man play, probably. But this man is going to be this opponent that he's going to be facing in this six round exhibition is going to be making his professional boxing debut. And of course, if you don't know by now, I'm talking about the fight between Jake, the problem child, Paul. Versus <laughs> Cri- yeah, Jake, the problem child, Paul versus Crypto Nate, Nate Robinson. You know, three time slam dunk champion, Nate Robinson, formerly of the New York Knicks, the Chicago Bulls and of the big three. <laughs> But oh, still, huge basketball promotion. Yeah, that was good stuff. Yeah, that is good stuff. I don't know if it'll be coming back because of Ice Cube's problems, but still, point of the matter is, it's gonna probably lead to something, something incredible. But still, point is back to the fight: Jake Paul versus Nate Robinson. Let's get the particulars. Let's get the particulars going. First of all. For Nathaniel Cornelius Robinson, aka Cryptonate. He was born <laughs> May 30th. Yes, I know. Born, right, May 31st, born May 31st, 1984. He is 36 years old, a native of Seattle, Washington, by way of Sammamish, Washington. 
He's five foot nine, 180 pounds, as listed in his official NBA height and weight. He played college basketball and football at the University of Washington from 2002 to 2005, where his dad was a former Orange Bowl and Rose Bowl MVP in the 80s before bottoming out to play a few NFL seasons in the early 90s. And he played 15 years of professional basketball, including stints with the Knicks, Celtics, Oklahoma City Thunder, Golden State Warriors on a 10-day contract, the Bulls, the Denver Nuggets, Cleveland, I mean, the Bulls, the Denver Nuggets, the Los Angeles Clippers, the New Orleans Pelicans, the Delaware 87ers of the G League, the <laughs> former NBA Development League, and stops in Venezuela, Israel, and Lebanon, where in Venezuela, he became a champion and a grand final MVP. And was also in 2005 at his time in the University of Washington, a third-team All-American, the Francis Pomeroy Nate Smith Award winner, and a first-team All-Pacific Ten Conference winner. But of course, we all know him as a three-time slam dunk champion while he was with the Knicks. <laughs> and of course, he will be making his professional boxing debut after... You know, Jake Paul just became an ass. And <laughs> of course, you know, as the old saying goes, talk shit, get it. I won't be surprised. <laughs> but still, his opponents, of course, no introduction, but we already gave him a detailed one. Jake Paul. He's <laughs> tall. Weighs 180 pounds, dropping down to 175 for this fight, as is Nate Paul. He's 23 years old, born Jacob Joseph Paul on January 17, 1997 in Westlake, Ohio, fighting out of the suburbs of the greater Los Angeles Basin in Calabasas, California. Not that it needs to be mentioned, but he's gotten 10,000, no, He's gotten over 10 million subscribers. Well, actually, no. His subscriber total is probably around 100 million, but we really don't give a damn. No, wait, actually, his subscriber count is over 20 million, but again, we don't care. What can he do in the ring? <laughs> what can he do in the ring? Oh, wait. He beat up a fellow YouTuber in Anderson Gibb. In two minutes and 18 seconds back on January 30th in Miami Gardens, Florida on Super Bowl weekend. That's what he did. This but year? the fact is he hasn't faced a legit athlete yet. And that's where Nate Robinson comes in because they needed a legit athlete to fill that void. <laughs> but still, though, as I mentioned, Paul was 23. Nate Robinson is 36, and Nate Robinson is 5'9", and obviously Jake Paul six foot. Jake Paul is coming into this fight with a four-inch height advantage. 
Well, actually, no. Three and a half, give or take. But still, is this completely weird fight between the guy who got fired from a Disney show for just being a total douchebag and a guy who's more known for slam dunking a basketball despite his stature worth your time and effort in watching or worth plopping down money to see? No. No, it's not. I remember hearing about uh, Jake Paul, and I said to myself, I'm not impressed, dude. You are a piece of shit human being. No, thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. And I think I saw, like, one or two of his videos, and I confirmed it even more, and I said, oh, no, no, no. I'm not putting up with him. I'm not subscribing to him. I'm not listening to him anymore. He talks shit too much. I mean, come to think of it, that's all he knows how to do. Then I can feel it now. If he's going to be that way, that fight is going to end, I would say, in less than a, uh, two rounds. And he, uh, do you... I mean, do you basically see Nate Robinson getting the mild upset? Possibly. Uh, I would actually put uh, Robinson over. If this is his debut, what better way to get traction for him than beating a YouTuber? That would be headline news on YouTube within mere hours. Oh. So in a sense, Paul losing would attract heads to his uh, channel where he can just bitch about losing. Not only that, but whoever beat him, people will want to know more about that. So, I'm hoping is, Paul gets knocked out. <laughs> yeah, I hope so too. And by the way, just to clarify again, this fight is six three-minute rounds. The previous fight that we talked about, Bado Jack versus Blake McKernan, is the regulation 10 three-minute rounds. But still, I think that people who back somebody who's... I mean, people who back somebody that got fired from Disney, of all places, just for being an asshole, and basically, you know, just being rewarded for stupid behavior, Dumb behavior, as a matter of fact, it's just ridiculous. And that's why I think the 57% that voted for Jake Paul to win on Tapology are mindless fucking numb-nutted idiots. <laughs> I'm um. serious. I mean, because everybody knows Jake Paul is a fucking nuisance. I know him. I mean, I know that he's a nuisance, and I don't even... I don't even give two flying fucks about the guy. It's just the <laughs> fact that this dude, you know, gets rewarded for stupid behavior. And now he's pretty much set, he and his brother, by the way, set the norm for YouTubers just to make way for, you know, if it does, I mean, basically, they're just like what Jackass was in the early 2000s, if you remember that show. <laughs> Yeah, if you remember that show with Steve-O, Johnny Knoxville, Bam Margera, and Wee Man, may he rest in peace. 
Oh, I remember that show all too well. It was hot and going when I was in uh, high school and college, respectively. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But still, though, it's like, yeah, I get that the Paul brothers have basically changed the norm for how a YouTuber should be. You know, if you do stupid shit, you make interest. And if you make interest, you make money. And so on and so forth. And but, I see a problem with YouTube and general video content making for many years. And this is partially why I was skeptic about even doing a podcast. Because the people, not saying that uh, my listeners are dumb by any means. I got some of the best listeners in the world, my point of view. But anyways, I progress. Uh, The problem with YouTube these days is this sense of needing the dumbest shit, as a method man from the Wu-Tang Clan would say. Mm -hmm. And was massively turned off by Jake Paul because of how big of a dick he is. Same for for anybody Except for himself. Exactly. But still, though, as far as this fight goes, yeah, I know that Jake Paul has a first-round knockout on his ledger, but it was against a fellow YouTuber who had no fucking business <laughs> in that ring. That's another thing that made me laugh so hard when I heard the name Jake Paul. I said, ain't this the guy that actually fought a fellow YouTuber and won, like, less than five minutes in? Mm-hmm. No. So that's why I'm not quite so interested in this fight because uh, Jake Paul alone, like, how you actually claim to be a legit boxing uh, fighter, but you got your majority wins over YouTubers. So that's basically like saying, uh, okay, if I could put this in. Pro wrestling terms. Um, mm-hmm. Kids that were famous uh, basketball players that showed up in WWE and they became oh the Ball family. That's like the oh, ball. yeah, Lavar, Leangelo, Lamelo. I think Lamelo, um, Lavar, Leangelo, Lamelo, and Lonzo. I think yeah. Lian- I think like- Lamelo just got drafted to the NBA not too long ago, as of a few days ago, actually. Yeah. It's like those three guys all of a sudden signing up with WWE and getting major uh, traction right there and then with this Jake Paul situation. So as far as this thing, let's put it to bet. (laughs) I want Jake Paul to lose. Bottom line. Same here. And to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a knockout in the first three rounds that Jake Paul will lose by. Because, of course, you know, I just can't stand the fact that this dude is famous for doing stupid shit while other people, I mean, other creators in the world of YouTube, basically, are just left behind either to suffer to copyright control. I mean... to suffer the copyright contractions or either to lose out on viewers or listeners or 
what have you, just because of the stupid shit these people do. I agree wholehearted. Like, this still bothers me several months later that good friends of mine who actually encouraged me to do this entire podcast YouTubing bit, they got taken down because they were actually hit with copyrights. And I said, excuse me, how is, uh, if I could actually give an example. All right, my friend uh, Adam Perez from A Plus Opinions, like, how dare you take down his channel for him actually doing a watch along? And, and you could probably see some of the video footage, but yet there are many, many other YouTubers that do the same exact shit, but you don't want to take them down because they're generating millions of views. Whereas uh, Adam Perez, per se, would be trying to do his uh, view and it would only like hit maybe somewhere like uh, single to quadruple digit views. Mm-hmm. Like what kind of horseshit is this? And this has made me wonder what's the point of podcasting sometimes. Or even just trying to put content on YouTube. If anything, I'm better off doing audio. Mm-hmm. But yes, somehow, some way, I'm actually trying to find ways to make this work. Exactly. And it's a very difficult industry to be in, kids. Take it from people who have actually been in this industry mm -hmm. for over a year or more. Or so for me, I can, or for mm -hmm. me, I have a ah, damn it. For me, I've had not one, not two, but three YouTube channels, and I've been working on other YouTube channels on and off for the last decade, last ten oh. years. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. God, you, you almost sound, sound like a dear friend of mine who's kind of like a mentor to me. You're becoming the man of multiple podcasts. <laughs> well, I've been lucky enough to stick around with a few, but I digress. I mean, I'm just saying, I would kill to have those views, those billions upon Billions of views that Jake and Logan Paul have combined, and the millions of uh, millions of subscribers that both of those morons have. But as <laughs> far as, but of course, that shouldn't drive away the fact that Jake Paul is going to get his ass handed to him by a real professional athlete on Saturday, November the twenty eighth. That's my point about it. I hear you. Mm. But of course, now that we, you know, shoveled all the bullshit to the side, we've talked about the six undercard fights, and of course, we don't want to talk about the concerts or Neo singing the national anthem because, of course, that's just filler. And the last yep. thing we need in the world of professional sports, least alone boxing or any combat sport, 
is filler. <laughs> so after so after one of the greatest ring announcers of all time says <laughs> hold up, wait a minute. <laughs> Had to I mean I almost messed that up a little bit. But after uh, what am I saying? I almost lost train of thought. But enough yeah. with the filler. Enough with the filler. Because as soon as one of, if not the single greatest ring announcer of all time says, <laughs> Main event time, kids. Yep. And of course, of course, we already know who in the main event. We just talked to y'all about it throughout the entire show. It's Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones Jr. Mike Tyson, the youngest man to ever hold the heavyweight championship for the world. At 19 years, I think 300 and something days back in 1986 when he knocked out Trevor Burbick. And then he made a rag doll out of Michael Spinks. And then he defeated Larry Holmes. And then lost his title to Buster Douglas. <laughs> we all know. <laughs> then after beating up Alex Stewart, he went to jail for about a few years. No, wait. He went to jail for three and a half years before coming back. Making mincemeat out of Peter McNeely, Buster Mathis Jr., and Bruce Selden before those two controversial bouts against Holyfield. Then he came out to dark, ominous music against Francois Bolta, beat his ass. Then he was in shit show fights against Olin Norris and, well, <laughs> what was left of Andrew Gulotta after punching Riddick Bowe in the balls twice. I mean, I'm old enough to remember that shit, even though I was only a little kid when that... I mean, I was only a toddler when that shit happened. <laughs> but still, point of what I'm trying to make, and of course, Mike Tyson, 5'10", he just lost weight about a few years ago, well, actually about a year ago, because he was once weighing in at 300 pounds. Now he weighs in at a respectable 215. Roy Jones Jr., who's been fighting since he got fucked over in Korea in the Olympics in 88, 66-9, 47 knockouts. As we mentioned, First middleweight since 1895 to become the heavyweight champion of the world, in addition to being a former middleweight, super middleweight, and undisputed light heavyweight champion of the world. But still, he weigh, he stands in 5 feet 11 inches tall, weighs in at about, mm, give or take, about 220, maybe 215. I know he's probably been broadcasting a lot over the last 10 years plus because he just finished up his gig with HBO two years ago. <laughs> Almost two a day ago as of, you know, the time of the fight that'll happen. I think, you know, a week after that, it'll be two years since HBO stopped airing boxing fights and Roy Jones, along with Oscar De La Hoya, 
were the two main reasons people would tune into HBO. But still, this isn't about, you know, celebrity status. This isn't about Mike Tyson punching actors in the face like how he knocked out Zach Galifianakis in The Hangover, <laughs> if you remember. This ain't about Roy Jones Jr. and body headbangers coming out with another hit. And I do remember that day. I do remember that shit too. <laughs> I remember all his big hits. I smoke, I drink, and can't be touched. But still, now that we have gotten to the main event, and of course, the topology fate for saying two thirds of them, 66%, want to see Tyson get the win. But after hearing about everything, after hearing that the damn California State Athletic Commission and Andy Foster, their chief executive, saying that this is going to be a glorified sparring match, and it really caught me by surprise, too, because it means they basically bought Michael Buffer out there for nothing. They basically, I mean, yeah, of course, he lives in L.A., but I mean, they borrowed him from the zone for one night for nothing. They basically put on all this hoopla and bullshit for nothing just to see a damn glorified sparring match where we probably might not even get a full-blown winner out of all this. And yeah, you're going to have three judges scoring the fight, but they're not going to be California State qualified. They're going to be former world champions, and I think the referee is probably going to be a world title veteran because this is going to be for the WBC frontline title which of course that belt looks cool especially with Black Lives Matter sprayed across the front plate but after hearing all of that is this fight really worth your money? For nostalgia's sake for the importance of these two fighters, I would say yes, but not knowing that <clears throat> how the result can be kind of scares me because the last time Tyson fought, in my knowledge, I saw him get knocked silly. So all this hype that they've been doing for him. On the contrary, on the contrary he went one and four in his last five fights. I think the last time he fought was in 2000, in June of 2005, in a knockout loss to Kevin McBride. Hmm. Well, meanwhile, Roy Jones Jr. is on a four-fight winning streak since he lost to Enzo Macari Nelly in Russia about a few years back. But All right. still, please continue. All right. So I would say that there is some interest, but I'm feeling more of the undercard um, for me because as much as I like nostalgia and people know that I like talking about past things to some degrees or not, I like seeing people come up. So overall, I would probably sit through this fight just for the nostalgia's sakes more than anything else. Now that we've actually discussed the card, I'm more interested in the lower card. 
where it's like, okay, these guys are not quite so known, whereas these guys were having to wait until the actual fight card is over. Mm-hmm. So. So you're basically saying that you would rather see the undercard rather than this fight, knowing what we know now, huh? Yep. I can say that with confidence and excitement. Yes, I can. I mean, to be honest, I can totally understand that because, you know, I get it. Mike Tyson's 54, and obviously the last time he made an appearance in a public spotlight this year was for AEW. Roy Jones, yeah, I know he. I said, oh no. He, he oh. basically got into a tussle with Chris Jericho, but that was just about it. He even had, I think, a few UFC fighters Rashad Evans, Henry Cejudo, Vitor Belfort, right beside him. But still, Tyson's 54, Roy Jones is 51. And of course, he just had his last sanctioned boxing match about two years ago, closing out his career with a respectable four-fight win streak. But still, point of the matter is, yeah, I get it, nostalgia purposes, but I was alive. I mean, but to be honest, to be really honest, I was only alive to see the prime of Roy Jones Jr. and the downfall of Mike Tyson. Because, of course, my childhood was basically consistent with Roy Jones Jr.'s rise to fame. But still, if, if I knew, <laughs> even you, after rebuting this card, you're yeah, kind of like, man. I know. I mean, if this was a regular fight, if this was obviously in their primes, I mean, I know Mike Tyson. I mean, I know that Roy Jones Jr. is one of my favorite fighters of all time. But I wouldn't have been surprised if Mike Tyson, in his prime, would have beat up and destroyed a prime Roy Jones Jr. within 30 seconds, if not within three rounds. I mean, if that fight would have happened in 2003, after Mike Tyson lost to Lennox Lewis, then yeah. I think that fight would have gone down to the wire. 12-round knockout. A 12th-round knockout, so to speak. Roy Jones Jr. But given what we know about this fight now and all the rules and regulations they have to go through with not only the California State Athletic Commission but the World Boxing Council in general, I think it would be best for me to save my money and just watch the undercard. I, I really do. I mean, because if I want to see a damn glorified sparring session, you know, I would want back. If I would want to see a damn glorified sparring session, I'd go pick two bums or, you know, two guys off the street corner and I can drive all the way up take the few minutes out to go to a little training center up by where I live 
which is at a shopping mall, or actually a strip mall, about five minutes from my house, and we can do business there. Have that fight happen there if you want to see a damn glorified sparring session. But to be quite honest, I don't want to waste my money seeing two old guys just try not to knock each other out. And yeah, I know that there's going to be a winner and a loser. I mean, I'm going to probably think that Roy Jones and Mike Tyson will do all they can, but I think that probably now, even though Tyson's built like a brick shit house, more bricker, more laid than how he was 25 years ago, I think that Roy Jones Jr. is going to win this fight. However, considering the fact that it's a glorified sparring session, I'd much rather watch the undercard because at least when it comes to the three title fights that we mentioned, you've got guys that are primed, built, and ready to go for the future. At least when it comes down to the three other fights that are going to be taking place under professional rules with a record to add to it. I mean, you got Vidal Riley, who was looking to prove he's more than a YouTuber, versus Rashad Coulter, who's looking to prove that he's more than a mixed martial artist. You got the modern-day Rocky story potentially happening between Blake McKernan versus the former world champ Vado Jack. And what could be two new names to add to a brand new division for the WBC? And you got Jake Paul versus Nate Robinson, of course. And of course, we're really hoping that Nate Robinson not only teaches Jake Paul some manners, but kicks his ass in the process. But yeah, if I knew that this Tyson Jones fight was going to be a party undercard. I mean, if I knew that this Tyson Jones fight was going to be the way it is now, I would much rather waste my time watching the undercard because at least that'll give me something better to look at. I hear you. (sighs) That was an absolutely fun episode of this show to do. Thanks again for actually coming on. I appreciate it. Hey, no problem. And before I go ahead on and breeze on out of here, I have to give my plugs. And of course, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do so at ChrisGary92. If you follow me, I'll be sure to follow you back, even though I need to cut down on my followers to followed intake. <laughs> well, my followers to following intake because I have way too many things I'm following and not enough followers to care. So, yeah. Again, if you follow me, I'll follow you back on Twitter at ChrisGary92. And as far uh, as the We Are Rising mm-hmm, and as far as the We Are Rising podcast that myself and Andrew Benjamin worked on, he is at abenjamin one on Twitter. You can check us out on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or wherever you get your favorite podcast of choice. And also the hashtag, well, actually, the handle for that, the Twitter handle, by the way, is at WeAreRisingPod, W-E-A-R-E-R-I-Z-I-N-P-O-D, all in one word. And with that... I pass the floor to you. I pass the torch to you, Zach, so you can end this show your way. All right. 
Well, usually I would ask somebody along the question of what do, what can I do for you? Well, I actually will save that for a different episode because I believe I know Christian somewhat well and he will probably say, just continue doing me, just being who I am. And I'm always welcome to be back on We Are Right whenever Bloodsport does return and even for actual We Are Rising no we not We Are Rising that's the podcast actual Rising uh, stuff somewhere down the line so <laughs> but you know what one thing I can say to close out this episode I normally end it by saying peace my people to the one love world but hey you nailed that right on the head. I think we nailed it right on the head. I mean, it's <laughs> like we say, the old phrase goes, variety is the spice of life. So don't be bland. Be creative. Let those creative juices flow. Let that energy channel out of you because if you hold it in for too long, you might not have that chance to let it out ever. So just uh -huh. be creative. Let all that energy out. That's all I got to say. And I agree wholeheartedly. And I don't think there's any other way to end off the show besides that. Uh, usually I would say one goal, one aim, one road, one focus, and that's love. And that's absolutely true. But mm -hmm. Christian just summed it up basically without me having to say a word. So with that said, please, ladies and gentlemen, regardless of your race, creed, color, whatever, please take care of yourselves. Mm -hmm. And take care if you of yourselves have to yourself, go out. Like, mm -hmm. Take care of yourself and each other, like Jerry Springer once said. All and right. if you have to go out for a mask, because it's like I also say, the society, no, it's like a movie that I, damn it, what am I saying? It's like that movie I said was my favorite movie says, the burden of society has fallen upon us. So we got to be the ones to protect that. But other I than agree. That, With that, this was Jay Gary Christian of the We Are Rising podcast. I'm Zachary Shiloh. Again, please take care of yourselves, your friends, and family. And I will see you in the next episode of Black Lions Airspace, thank you for looking through my eyesight and flying through the zone with me. I appreciate it. Bye.